0: From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values.
1: Now, here's Bob.
0: That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour as we launch our 25th year on the air. And thanks to all of you who have helped us along the way, especially our Wonderful guests and you, the listeners, which is why we <laughs> do this. Uh, and of course, Bishop uh, Bishop Weekend, who founded the program, and then Bishop Soto, who has carried it on so wonderfully uh, as a regular guest on this program. So we appreciate all of that. And indeed, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in that. A lot to rejoice about, a lot to be glad about. And one of the things we're glad about is we are. Welcoming in Vivian Doudreau from uh, Ignatius Press uh, by phone. Vivian, good day to you.
2: Good day to you, Bob.
0: So good to hear your voice. Uh, It's been too long, but I've got some.
2: It's good to hear your voice,
0: too. I've got some beautiful books sitting right here in front of me, and I think you're familiar with them. And one of them has your name right on the cover. Uh, Are you more than an editor of this? You are also the author?
2: Yes, I'm the uh, co-author with Catherine Addington, mm-hmm. uh, who is a, a postulant with the Daughters of Saint Paul, and uh, she translated the diaries of Saint Raphael Ar- Arnace, uh, a Spanish twentieth-century Spanish Trappist monk, who's been canonized a saint. And she, as she was translating these for Cistercian publications, she came across this episode. And she sent it to us and said, do you guys think this would make a great children's story? And we said, yes, we do. And so she and I wrote it together. And what you have in your hands is the result.
0: That's a beautiful result. And uh, it's called Brother Raphael and the Rainy Day Devils. See, now, as an editor, I'm, I'm looking at that and I'm going, rainy day devils? Does it need a hyphen? Does it not need a hyphen? <laughs> Yeah.
2: Well, if you think of rainy day as one thing, yeah. a rainy day.
0: It can't be rainy devils, and it can't be day devils, so it has to be hyphenated.
2: It has to be rainy day devils. That's yeah. Right. yeah, so there you have it. And we all get the rainy day devils, don't we?
0: Oh, we do. <laughs> Explain the rainy day devils.
2: Well, uh, this Trappist monk, uh, uh, Brother Raphael, he It's a rainy, cold December day. And let's just say he's feeling a little blue and discouraged, and he's being tempted to give in to all of that and stop doing the work of service he's doing, give up on his vocation, and run away.
0: And stop peeling turnips.
2: Yes. That's what he's doing in the kitchen. He's peeling turnips.
0: I think that might give me the rainy day devils.
2: Right, but we all have tedious things we have to do, no matter what our vocation might be.
0: That's and,
2: uh, it, you know, maybe it's changing the tire, maybe it's doing the laundry, maybe it's picking weeds, maybe it's uh, adding one number on top of another, maybe it's editing books, who knows? <laughs> everybody everybody has their blues where we get discouraged in what we're doing and we don't think what we're doing is that important or maybe something else would be better or more uh, more glory and praise and appreciation would be coming our way if only we were doing something else. And Brother Raphael also has these thoughts. And the the great part of the story is how this gets turned around, right? This gets turned around because he realizes the great love Jesus has for him and that all that he does, no matter how simple, is done out of love freely for Jesus,
0: so is a rainy day devils, is that a, is that a common expression?
2: No, uh, uh, uh I made it up.
0: That's very good. That's because you, <laughs> you, you, you sort of hit it right on the head. You know, uh, uh, we've all had, I, I, you know, the very common one is rainy day blues, of course. And, but the, uh, rainy day devils puts a little bit of, uh, um, eh, a little bit of religion into it, if you will. <laughs> And,
2: right. But whether, whether religious or not, we do get uh, discouraged.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and it can be, you know, it can be unfortunately for even unknown reasons. I mean, sometimes uh, I get it and I know, and, and it's like, okay, I've got these things I, I haven't taken care of and I need to take care of. And, you um, and I'll, I'll do it tomorrow, you know, one of those things, and then it just kind of nags at you and nags at you and, until you just take the bull by the horns and do it, but then there are other times when it doesn't, you don't really have a reason, you know, you know the old, old saying, I got up on the wrong side of bed, um, you just don't know why you have that sort of blues, if you will, rainy day devils, if you will.
2: Right, and we we forget as Christians that We can actually pray in those moments. Often it's not until hindsight that we realize, oh, I was really being sorely tempted to give up on what I'm supposed to be doing or give up on that person or give up on whatever it is that's discouraging us. And we don't realize sometimes in the moment that we have spiritual resources at hand. We can pray. We can ask God for strength. We can ask God for joy. We can you know, just turning to God at all is going to shoo the devils away.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's, unfortunately, it's frequently our last refuge instead of our first refuge. You know, that's right. We're, we're like, okay, I'm going to solve this one. I'm going to solve it. I'm going to solve it. I'm going to whatever, uh, get out of bed and wash my face and get on with the day. And uh, it should be our first refuge. Absolutely. And it shouldn't even be a refuge. You know, it should be a, uh, almost a celebration. I, I mean, I don't know how many times my wife and I have said, "What would what would we do in all these situations? Not only our own personal, but just the world situation, if we didn't have God, if we didn't believe that God was somehow watching over all this and and uh, helping everyone, and certainly helping those who turn to Him. You know, the, the, the I think this, to me, some of the most comforting words is you know. Knock and the door will be answered, you know, ask and you shall receive, you know, or you shall be heard. Um, Those are enormously comforting words at any point, but especially when you're down and out.
2: That's right. That's right. And then for uh, the, the monk to realize that, you know, he freely chose this vocation. Right. He freely, he freely chose to, to kind of quote unquote be in the situation that he's in. And sometimes we forget that, right? Some, sometimes the, the discouragement that we're feeling is the feeling that we're somehow trapped or backed into a corner. Or, and it's good to be reminded that, you know, we have freedom and we freely chose to do whatever it is we're doing, hopefully out of love. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, maybe, you know, maybe we chose it for other reasons, but hopefully the service that we do, we're cho- choosing freely to do out of love. And that really can turn things around in your mind yes. as to why you're doing what you're doing, holding yeah. that towel and changing that baby's diaper and, you know, uh, mowing the lawn or whatever it is, you know, we're doing all these things for love. That's the source of joy.
0: Yeah, even peeling turnips,
2: or peeling turnips.
0: Yeah, I remember. Uh, well, I wasn't. I was not. But I remember my my brother when, uh, who was a year older than I was, and he was in the in the military, and and he always said, you know, KP duty was that was the worst. It was peeling potatoes. That's just that, that's right. It's kind of the the cliche, I guess, of you know being a, a young recruit, eighteen years old, and going in the military, and you got KP duty. Um. So, uh. So this is resonating with the uh, with the turnips, which we had as a child, and my sister was very good at kind of spreading them. That my my dad would bring home the turnips, and mom would make them into almost like mashed potatoes. You know. Yeah. And, and my sisters were very good about. Spreading it all around their plate and then saying they were finished, you know, because it didn't look like a, a pile anymore. And I, I, wasn't, I wasn't as smart, but I I uh these were kind of pale turnips. They weren't red like the ones in the book. They were kind of pale and were not my favorite vegetable.
2: Yes, I can see that um they have a bit of a sharp to they to the do.
0: They really do, and no amount of butter can cut all of it.
2: That's right. That's right.
0: <laughs> I always
2: well, true confessions. I used to put peas around the rim of my plate.
1: <laughs> you know,
2: down, down underneath. So it wasn't until the plate was cleared away <laughs> that the that peas in and it. under there, <laughs> circle of peas, where my plate once was. <laughs> my, my
0: sisters would would mash the peas. You know, and spread oh. and spread them out too, you know, and of course they were always, in those days, we had a big family and, you know, uh, fresh peas were, were either not in the store or were too much. And so they're always canned peas, which are, you know, oh, I know. a little bit not as, you know, fresh peas have a, a, a crunch and a, a sweetness and a, canned peas are kind of like mush.
2: But, yeah, that's what we had, canned peas. I grew up in the Midwest. We had okay, canned sure, almost
0: you'd, everything. You'd, yeah, my mom's from North Dakota. She canned everything, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that moved, she she canned or grew. She canned it, and then it would come out of the garage, you know, two years later. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Where in the Midwest?
2: In the, In Illinois, outside of Chicago. Okay. And, you know, in the wintertime, there were no fresh vegetables
0: Absolutely to speak not. of in the stores. We
2: are so blessed in California, the bounty of the oh. produce that we have. Here in San Francisco, I've seen tourists from other countries taking photographs of the produce section in the stores. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Because and,
2: they just can't believe it.
0: And and now the grocery stores have gotten really smart. And, and I mean, they they've almost glorified the produce they they arrange it so beautifully and the, you know the it's just it is it's it's uh, there's almost nothing that doesn't grow in california i i actually was talking to somebody from the usda one time and i said i think the only thing we don't grow in california is is bananas and he pulls out his little notebook and he says actually they grow some bananas in santa barbara county I'm like, really
2: really I oh i thought that. they had to grow I didn't know either. I thought they had to grow like in the tropic, closer to the tropics, you know, but yeah, wow. Yeah. No, we, we, yep. We are very blessed with the bounty that we enjoy.
0: And then you go to some of the, the Asian markets of which we're really blessed to have in Northern California and you see fruits that you never heard of, you know, that, yes. that are just magnificent. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it's, uh, yeah, you're right. We're very, very, very lucky here so how did how did you and your co-author get together on this? I'm really curious.
2: Well, she sent us an email uh saying, "Hello, I'm translating uh, Brother Raphael's diary from Spanish into English, and I came across this uh, episode in the diary, and I was wondering if you thought it would make a good story for kids. That's how it happened. She emailed us out of the blue and the rest is
0: history as they say. Wow. And I, I you know, I, I couldn't help but notice that um, brother Raphael was born the same year my dad was. It, it's, it's oh, a, is that right? One of those things that jump, a date that jumps out at you, you know, and uh, um, my dad, Yeah, 1911, had, 1911, my dad had passed away a number of years ago in, uh, on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, which we've just passed. And, that was always uh, a date that my mother held in her heart you know that that the lord had taken him on that day you know it was very very important to her that but yeah 1911 and uh, every time i see that date it jumps out at me i go that's that's when my dad was born you know and, so uh,
2: this is a 20th century saint. This St. Raphael Arnais is a 20th century saint. We need 20th century saints, don't we?
0: Well, I, I really think so. I, you know, you you read about so many, you know, I, I know the saints, we hold them up as examples, and that's why we, we do the canonization and everything and, and uh, give us something to aspire to. But Some of the stories are so breathtaking that I, I feel— Feel diminished, like I don't. I don't know if I could ever be like that. You know, that's that's pretty pretty remarkable. But and and I love it when we do get twentieth century, and perhaps even uh, pretty soon some twenty first century uh, saints that maybe we can relate to a little better and relate to their lives a little better.
2: Yes, this brother Raphael had a, what it would, what I would call a more ordinary life. But what we see in the story is sometimes you know the strength and virtue it really does take just to be faithful to doing ordinary things with love
0: yeah and and to think that he died at the age of 27 uh, which <laughs> right now seems so young to me and uh, yes uh, well he
2: had diabetes. And uh, back then they didn't have, you know, they didn't have the treatments for it right. that we have now. So it was a death sentence if sure. you, uh, you know, got diabetes back then. Another thing we could be grateful for, right? The discovery of insulin and I mean.
0: Oh my, yeah. I, I remember um, when I was seven years old, I, my my appendix ruptured and the uh, the doctor said to me at the time, that had they had they not invented penicillin about 20 invented us uh, stumbled upon penicillin about 20 years prior uh i probably wouldn't have made it you know just that it, it, it was at the time a miracle drug and, and oh yeah and almost remains so today i mean we've we've taken it so for granted but there was a, a time not so long ago when when uh, penicillin didn't exist or existed but nobody knew about it and uh um yeah we the the advances in medicine have just been remarkable yep so this is a, this is a i always ask you this question ages probably uh 3 or 4 to about 9 or 10
2: well we're actually saying 7 for this book uh uh-huh. but of course if you have a precocious 5 year old or 6 year old uh you know, seven is the age of reason, right? But right. but kids uh, can can start entering, crossing that threshold into the age of reason before that age. But the child has to be old enough to understand that we have these interior battles. Mm-hmm. You know, that we have these interior battles, and that for most of us, that's where temptation comes. It's the suggestion. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. of, of, of discouragement and, uh, you know, sadness or maybe anger or whatever these emotional states are that can be, um, you know, everyone experiences all these emotions, but they can be sort of sources of temptation to not do what we're supposed to be doing. Right. And so, uh, you know, a child has to be a little bit aware of that, um, reality in life and so I would say maybe about five or six, the child starts to have that self-awareness of things like sadness and um, discouragement and that sort of thing. So, uh, of course, if, you have, if you're if you reading aloud, it's a beautiful, this is a fully illustrated book and they're right. really gorgeous illustrations. And of course, you know, you bring the kids around and you put the book in your lap and the little ones too will love the pictures, even if, if younger children can't really Grasp. They don't have that self-awareness of their own emotional states, uh, you know, but nevertheless, there's nothing in there that's um, going to hurt them. It's just they might not be able to get it, right?
0: Yeah, it would help if they uh, also had experience with turnips, I think.
2: Or think of all the cold rainy days i mean we in california there's another thing we're blessed with we have such great weather you know but there are days when kids have to stay in stay indoors uh because of the weather or uh you know uh, things were canceled their soccer game or that outdoor birthday party they were going to go to or whatever and now they've got the blues because they're stuck inside and can't go do what they thought they were going to do and so yeah, we all get rainy day devils.
0: Yeah, so uh, let's talk about the the illustrations a little bit. Who who does the illustrations, and and do, do you, as an author and an editor, do you have a hand in the illustrations and say yeah, that doesn't look like Brother Raphael to me? Um, I, he should have a whatever.
2: Well, our our. Um our partners with Magnificat, you know, Ignatius, we do their, our children's books in partnership with Magnificat right. and Magnificat is owned by a French parent company and they, they uh, the books we've been doing with them, we sort of leave it to them to find the illustrators. Now, I was both an editor and a co-author on this book. Mm-hmm. So I saw the sketches from the very beginning, you know, and said, oh, wow, these are amazing. And I did send them to Catherine Addington, the co-author, and she liked them too. So, you know, there's a consultation, cooperation process that goes on. But I have to say, um, I implicitly trust what our Magnificat partners come up, you know, are going to come up with. Yeah, they're pretty talented. Yeah, and they come up with a lot of fabulous people to illustrate the books that we do together. And so... I've been pretty happy. I haven't had to say, no, get somebody else. Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) So take us through, if you would, um, sort of a start to finish on a book like this from, from idea to a radio host holding it in his hands.
2: Well, you know, someone has to have the idea. That's where it's got to start. And in this case, the person with the idea was Catherine Eddington. Mm -hmm. Then there's the writing process. And uh, so I, I I played a big hand in this more than an editor. I was definitely a co-writer.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: and then then, when that got finished, we sent it around to the acquisitions people, both at Magnificat and at Ignatius, to get their approval to go forward. And mm-hmm. then we got an illustrator. and then then it goes through the process of typesetting and and putting it all together in layout, and then that gets proofed. And when everything is a okay, it gets sent to a printer.
0: So does a book like this with, you know, the hard cover and all the great color and all the, is it more costly to, is it at the top of the scale of what's costly to produce?
2: Oh, for sure. Yes. Wow. Black and black and white versus four color, big price difference, hard cover versus soft cover, hard covers, more expensive. So yes. A, 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 four color book on, on, this is also, uh, kind of a glossy thick paper, right. not, not your typical, uh, book paper, you know, just novel or something like that is a thinner paper. Yes. At every, just about at every point, it's more costly to do a book like this. And, uh, we fortunately, we have some fabulous printers, uh, in Europe. This one was done in Poland. Hmm. And, uh, sometimes, you know, foreign printers can do things more cost effectively than right. printers in North America.
0: Well, and the, and the I mean, the, 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 the front cover and the back cover would survive bite marks from a young child as well.
2: Oh yeah. These, this is, this is a high quality book and, yeah. and, uh, it's gonna, it's gonna hold up against, you know, just childhood abuse, <laughs> you yeah. know, of, kids yeah sitting on it and stepping on it and shoving it into the bookshelf and you know it's it's going to survive
0: uh
2: a good long while
0: that's a beautiful volume i know i always when my kids were little i just always that it was one of what as you described it it was just one of the great joys of of parenthood uh was having a, a young kid on your lap or next to you and uh um going through the pages and just seeing their wonder and their awe and and uh, their innocence come out, if you would. And, uh, but the person that really liked to do it was my mom with the with her, her grandkids. You know, she just, she couldn't wait till we came by and uh, uh, she could read to the grandkids.
2: Oh, I can't, I cannot emphasize reading aloud to children enough. It's yeah. just, it's just one of the most important things you do with your children. Because it helps them on so many levels. it first of all, it helps their own language development right. and their own ability to read. and it then it also uh, helps the development of their imagination and development of the way they see the world because you're with them answering their questions and and uh, and then it's closeness and with with the child and now the child uh, sees you as a person that, when the child has a question, the child's going to go to mom or dad or even grandma or grandpa because there's all, you've already cultivated this relationship where you talk about things. You know, mm-hmm. you read the story and you talk about it. Or even if you're just looking at pictures, children will say, what's that or why is that happening? And, you know, and this opens up their minds to uh, to explore the world and with you as their guide, you know, before they go out into the world and start getting other viewpoints shall we say you're helping to mold them uh uh in by reading aloud it's it's just wonderful
0: yeah amen to that well i'm gonna put that one down and i'm gonna pick up and i i know i know this character we've we've had this character before the adventures of lupio volume Seven: the fire and other stories is that is that a wolf with lupio on the cover
2: Yes, that is the Wolf of Gubbio, who was tamed by St. Francis. <laughs> as as uh, some of your listeners who've heard of Lupio before, maybe they've even gotten some of um, his books, because kids absolutely love them, by the way. I, over Thanksgiving, we were with a bunch of grand nieces and nephews, and I took all seven volumes of Lupio, <laughs> and the kids were glued to them. Even the kids who couldn't read just loved looking at the pictures. And... They're very popular. They're they're, they're gaining, uh, uh, you know, uh, renown, shall we say, and which I'm really happy to see. So Lupio was, an, you know, he's an imaginary character, Lupio is. He's an orphan found by St. Francis of Assisi who becomes a father figure, a mentor figure, a guide. In every story, St. Francis kind of makes an appearance at some point or another. And all the stories, though, are super exciting. This is about a forest fire, and, and uh, Lupio gets blamed for starting it, and he knows he's innocent, and he's trying to track down maybe who did light the fire accidentally or maybe even on purpose, and so there's some sleuthy, sleuthing going on. And all of the stor- Lupio stories have some element of danger, adventure, uh, maybe, um, you know, s- suspense and wondering what's going to happen. They're all exciting stories, but they're also full of, um, you know, Christian wisdom about, well, what do you do when you have an enemy? What do you do when someone has committed a crime? What, what do you do about, um, poverty or injustice or how do we care for the lepers and the sick and so on? Because this is, in the course of St Francis's life St Francis of Assisi right these mm-hmm. are sign- the, the 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 things that came up in the life of the saint himself and they have a way of coming up in the life of this boy and he's a musician he's a troubadour as St Francis was and goes around with his lute and sings to entertain for you know he he what he's a busker right you know sings in the street or sings in the mm-hmm. inn and so uh, they're they're wonderful. They're charming, and the illustrations are fabulous. And they're comic books, but they're high quality comic books. You know, with a really firm binding and glossy paper. And they're they're just great. They're well, just the great. Book, I can't recommend them enough.
0: Yeah, the comic book uh, style is certainly uh, well. It's appealing to just about every person on earth, I think, uh, because it's it's you, you just move quickly from one panel to the next and you just you can't you you know it's as they say about novels uh, it's a it's a page turner you know it's it it and you want to know what's going to happen next i can't imagine though i mean a lot more words in this one than than obviously uh, brother raphael um a lot more words a tremendous amount more illustration um take us through that process i mean my goodness there's there's a lot of dialogue. I mean, it's all dialogue, right?
2: It's all dialogue because the pictures are telling the action, mm-hmm. right? And then the, the 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 thought bubbles or the dialogue bubbles where you see what people are thinking or saying, and then very minimal narration. You know, maybe across the top of a page there might be, you know, in the village of Gubbio there was a wolf, blah blah blah, and then the story unfolds. And but it's unfolding through the action being told in the pictures, and then what people say in the conversation bubbles, so to speak. Yeah, I think that's classic comic book format. And uh, as you say, kids love them. The kids of all ages love comic books, right? So this author, uh, uh, Jean, uh, Jean-Francois Kiefer, he's a uh, French uh, Catholic deacon, mm-hmm. married man with children, He's an award-winning author, uh, uh, award-winning illustrator, is what I mean to say. And uh, he's done other things, too, uh, books of the Bible and the Bible itself and this Lupio series, which we've now done seven of them. And I I I, I hope to find out that there's more yet to do from this man. Uh, They get published in France first, and then we get the English rights. And produce English versions.
0: So, when was the first Lupio? Oh gosh,
2: I don't know. We—when did we come out with the first one, yeah. or the first one of all time? I'm not—I'm not sure. We have seven, right. and uh, we usually only do about one a year. So we've been probably doing these now for seven years, mm-hmm. ten years maybe.
0: Wow, it's—it it's, is just wildly illustrated I just love the the, the I was gonna say photos the pictures the art um, so it's it's so colorful and so engaging
2: it is Kafer has a really um you know once you see something by him you'll recognize immediately something else by him right he has a particular style of of face soul expressions and the colors he chooses and uh, it's very engaging.
0: Does he do other sorts of, of writing? Do you know?
2: Well, as I say, we 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 have his illustrated Bible for children. We came out with that uh, last season. And then um, we also have his illustrated gospel, his illustrated miracles of Jesus, uh, parables of Jesus, acts of the apostles. And as I say, I, I hope to see that there's more, um, in his, in his bevy, you know, Mm -hmm. that we can keep publishing things by him because we just love him. And as I say, he's becoming more and more known and popular and, uh, he's getting known here in the States. So that's great.
0: That's wonderful. Again, it's the adventures of Lupio, L O U P I O volume seven, the fire and other stories. And of course, uh, that also recommends ages seven and up and... Or six
2: and up, maybe. Or six and uh, up. But as I said, when my grandnieces and nephews, I mean, down to the four-year-old, they were looking at these books and uh, asking the parents to read them to them. And, you know, they really, uh, they really just lapped them up. So uh, even before children... I mean, six or seven has to do with the age of reading, right? Right. But uh it, they can be read aloud to younger children and younger children can look at them and see what's happening. So, uh, and by the way, Ignatius Press I just noticed has a sale on this. Buy one and get the second one 50% off. Wow. Uh, yeah. So anyway, they, great Christmas presents. Yeah.
0: People can go to ignatius.com I presume to
2: Yep, yep, they can go to ignatius.com or they can call our 800 number which is 800-651-1531. That 1531 that has, might that, ring a There's
0: some religious significance to that, isn't there?
2: Yeah, that's our uh, when Guadalupe. our Lady of Guadalupe yep. appeared to Juan Diego, which we're going to be celebrating on Tuesday.
0: That's, that's right.
2: Or Thursday. Wait, December 12th. Yeah, Tuesday. No, Tuesday. Yeah, the 12th. Yeah. The 12th. Tuesday. Yeah. Yep.
0: I, I've always I've always um <laughs> uh liked the December twelfth because uh I did the math and realized that I was born exactly nine months after December twelfth.
2: <laughs> oh. So you and your dates, right?
1: Yeah, well, the, yeah. That's
2: you know, that's good. That's good for us to kind of be aware of these things that you know, the the stars aligning. I mean, things happen for a reason. Uh when things happen and when people are born and yeah. Yeah, no, it It's,
0: it it's, 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 it's interesting because, uh, my, you never know. my, my, my middle name is Jerome and I never, I had no idea where that came from. There was nobody in the family and I don't know, they, they were just throwing out names, my parents, cause we had a lot of kids and it wasn't anything that ever kind of meant anything to me. And one day, somebody told me the story of St. Jerome. And I'm like, whoa, there was a saint named Jerome? Really? You know? And and, and you get all immersed in it. And I still don't, mm-hmm. to this day, I don't know if that's where the name came from. Um, but but, uh, but I, it now has a, a special meaning to me.
2: Yes, names are very
0: important. Haven't run into a St. Yes. Bob yet. There is a St. There, Robert. Saint, th-
2: there's... Yeah, there's St. Robert's. Is your is your full name not Robert?
0: Yeah, it's Robert. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, Robert Bellaman. My gosh, a oh, giant, of course, as a yeah. man.
0: Yeah, we have a of St. Robert's School right here in the Diocese of Sacramento. So, it, the one that always gets me is is St. Mel. You know, because it sounds like that diner in San Francisco.
2: <laughs> oh, that's hilarious.
0: It sounds like a very modern name. You know, it sounds almost like a. It nickname, does. You know. And,
2: you know, but, you know, names cycle around, right? Things that uh, were, were old-fashioned sounding oh, yeah. then become contemporary, and then things that are contemporary end up becoming old-fashioned. I mean, names go kind of round and round. Yeah,
0: like Emma now, E-M-M-A, is just like, uh, I, I think every, every girl in one of my daughter's classes is named Emma. You know, it's like, an, and that was a long time ago name, and then all of a sudden, they're bringing it, it comes back. And I I think it's the most popular name in the United States, you know, for. Is it? Wow. Yeah. When it used to be Jennifer or something, you know, and now now it's all, all, all switched. So anyway, the, speaking of grandmas, this, the book I am looking at now, grandma's best stories with all the, all the, all the rabbits on the cover. (laughs) Um,
2: this is such a charming book. This is such a charming book and uh being a grandma, I uh read it to my 4-year-old granddaughter. She absolutely loved it. And then the next morning, she was uh reading it. I I'm putting scare quotes in the air here. She was, you know, reciting it to her 2-year-old sister. Oh wow. So I knew I knew that the stories uh, you know, that that you know that she enjoyed them or that she wouldn't have been repeating them. But these, these are really sweet stories. These are the best kind of stories for bedtime, you know, because they're very consoling, sweet stories. You mentioned the bunnies on the cover. So that's a story of a rabbit family on Christmas who let a little mouse family, um, sleep in their house. Uh, they're found in some slippers that the Papa bunny was making for the, uh, children bunnies. And, mm-hmm. um, just a just you know just a sweet story right and then uh, there's a story of a granddaughter visiting her grandma and then she's time to go and you know that kind of sadness when you part but uh, there's uh, some consoling elements to it and then there's a grandpa and his grandson watching for shooting stars at night and the little boy falls asleep and it's the grandpa who sees the shooting star you know and these are just sweet stories that uh they're not they're not quote-unquote catholic in any overt way Mm -hmm. you know you any you if you have by the way anyone listening if they have you know young people who aren't in the faith anymore or they they uh or maybe they've never been part of that faith Mm -hmm. and this is a beautiful book to give as gifts because it's, it's 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 a window into human kindness and um family relationships and uh and generosity without being religious about it you know without being uh in your face about it right. and so uh and then the illustrations are just adorable um <laughs> the, the illustrations um, story, are stories, stories, really fabulous yeah yeah stories with animals uh and people but they're all really sweet pictures and as I said, my my four year old granddaughter just loved it and was the very next morning uh, t- reading, so called, to her little sister. So that's that. I that 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 tells me that's the best marketing I can give you right there. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's yeah, it, and and there's so many different animals in it, from uh, birds to bears, if you will.
2: Right, exactly. All the stories have different um, different characters, and uh, you know, like you said, there's a bear who finds birds in his mailbox when he comes out of hibernation. You know, and and uh, and there's there's a deer who reads to the animals in the forest. He's the only one who knows how to read, and um, but then that inspires another little animal who wants to learn how to read. And so you know, there's there's, there's stories like that. They're just they're, they're just, they're lovely. And the pictures are so wonderful. The, this is definitely one you can read to little ones, you know,
0: without. And, and absolutely. Those, well, you know, in, in the very the very first uh, page, note to readers, is just what we were talking about. My dear friends, this book is filled with stories that you will love. So climb on the lap of your grandpa, your grandma, your dad, or your mom. Make yourself comfortable and get ready to listen carefully. Yeah. Just what we were talking about.
2: Yes, I, I am intrigued this is a great.
0: The uh, the giant who put the house on his back. That's that's, that's very creative.
2: <laughs> I know. I you know it kind of reminded me a giant who has to learn uh, generosity. There's an old Oscar Wilde story about a giant, uh, the selfish giant, I think mm-hmm. it was called, and uh, so. Yes, the giant puts the house on his back, and in order to make it lighter, he starts giving things away. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, well, you know, detachment is something that uh, we're supposed to also learn in life, right? Uh, and and uh, and generosity and detachment go together, right? When you're holding through things too tightly, you really don't want to give them away, yeah. and that's what this giant learns. And, uh, yeah, it's clever, right? I mean, that's, a, that's an attention grabber right there. A giant walking around with his house on his back.
0: <laughs> no, it's like, like the first question is, why is he doing that? You know, it could be the cost of housing in California.
2: Yeah, <laughs> could be. Yeah. yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's migrating.
0: <laughs> I remember once, uh, a, uh, uh, there was a, a, a job candidate who had come out to California to my hometown. He was a, he was a, a, a football coach and uh, had been offered a job at the, at the university in the town where I live. And, and uh, he contacted me cause I was working for the newspaper and said, would you show me around town? And I said, sure. He, would you show me and my wife around town? And I said, sure. And we went around town and uh, it was a few years ago and, and he said, so what, what would that house cost? And I kind of had an idea, you know, and I t- told him. And I, he, it was like he was from Minnesota, from rural Minnesota, you know. And he said, really? Oh, my gosh. You know, it was just breathtaking to him how how expensive it was. And and finally he said, well, we could just move our house out here from Minnesota, you know. And I said, well, it's actually you would have to find some land to put it on and the, the land would cost you money. And he was like, Oh my goodness. He decided to stay in Minnesota.
2: Yes. Yes. So, uh, the wonderful weather, the the bounty and all of the, the coasts and the beauty, the natural beauty, it comes with a price tag for sure in California. Yep. Yep. And even though uh, we're looking at, you know, a softening market conditions here, Um, it's still just, it's always been costly to live in California. It just has. And and so, um,
0: Much worse really in the, in the Bay area than it is here in the, in the Sacramento area. Oh yeah. But even here, everything is skyrocketing from, from, from where it was. It's, uh,
2: yeah. Yeah. Well, that's inflation for you. And, um, yep, that's inflation. And, uh, that's what you get when you get, cheap money (laughs) and uh and then there's supply and demand because there's more demand than there is supply so you put inflation together with supply and demand and what do you have skyrocketing real estate but it's 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 softening now and uh and uh i i'm i'm even though for for those of us reaching our i'm not retired yet but you know obviously we don't want our house values to come down, do we? But by the same token, we want our children to be able to build for to buy homes. So Yeah. That's it's kind of
0: the push pull with, uh, uh yeah. people that say, well, this is, this is, this is great. Uh, if, if you happen to be a homeowner, this is great. My house is appreciated. Of course, if you want to stay in the same area, you sell your house, you couldn't buy one. So it, the only you do is is sell your house and, and move to, uh, you know, Minnesota. Winnemucca or somewhere. You know,
2: <laughs> and, <laughs> no, that's right. No, and, and, true. and, and
0: truly, it's it's uh, probably uh, a fifth of the cost, maybe for a, for a home, yep. and and uh, or even even more, depending on if your home is in Palo Alto or some someplace else. And and yet, you you see your your children as they reach adulthood and start their families that this the housing is just way beyond, you know, you could have a two, yep. two, two income family and they just can't afford to, to, uh, own a home. It's, it's, uh, a, a real, a real push pull, but there are greater problems in the world than whether or not you own your own home. But, um, right. It is, it is an interesting phenomenon. So we're with Vivian Doudreau, uh, author and editor at Ignatius press. And again, uh, you can get any of these, uh, at Ignatius.com, and they are having a sale. Um, what what are you working on now? Uh, we're almost, you know, obviously there's nothing you could put out now, start on now and be in time for Christmas or probably even Easter. Uh, how far in advance do we, do you, I, I used to hear this about magazines, how far in advance they were plotting out stories, uh, whereas I come from a newspaper background, and we're more, you know, everyday kind of stuff. You know, right. uh, what happened two right. days ago is is gone and done. But w- with books like these, with with all the illustrations and all the the how far how far in advance did did say the the, the book that you're co-author on the the Brother Raphael uh, book? How how long ago did did that start?
2: A year ago, the mm-hmm. children's books, precisely because they're the four color that we described and illustrated, and also often printed overseas, uh, we are working a year ahead. So I'm next next year's Christmas books, so to speak. I'm working on right now. So wow. I'm a full year. Yeah. Uh,
0: and so how do how do you des- How do you decide? And I know it's not your decision, but how does anybody? decide what's going to be the initial press run? What's going to be, is it an estimate? And, and, and if it's too little, what do you do? And if it's too much, what do you do?
2: Well, if it's too little, uh, you quickly reprint more. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so the, the the marketing department is the one that decides the print runs and the costing of books, the pricing of the books and so on. And uh, and if it's if you overshoot it, well, it depends on is this a book you're expecting to be selling over the next 10 years, Mm -hmm. you know, that eventually that or do we have to put this on sale right away to start, you know, moving it or. But those are those 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 are not production department concerns. Those are marketing department concerns. Mm -hmm. So um, I really don't have a role in any of that
0: in is is uh, all of uh, Ignatius press is in is in San Francisco
2: uh well the headquarters are in San Francisco mm-hmm. but a lot of our uh people who do proofreading and copy editing and typesetting and printing and all of that they're all dispersed hither and yon I mean they're you know um most of our copy editors and proofreaders are independent contractors sure who who work for us and other publishers besides, you know, they they um they're freelancers basically. Sure. And and uh but in San Francisco we have, you know, the headquarters, Father Fessio, our founder and right. and inspiration, who, God bless him, he'll be eighty three um You're next kidding. month. And he no, and he is still um in fact, speaking of kids and books and all that he is in the process of putting together a book club, an Ignatius book club, and uh, there's going to be book fairs and schools, and, um, you know, it, it's it's going to be great because a lot of schools uh, have book fairs or would like to have book fairs, and some of the um, companies that do these things, the kinds of books they're selling these days, um, a lot of Catholic families want want something else. And so... He's, there he is, you know, going on 83, and he's um, putting together this program, not single-handedly, of course. But starting with, new he's got projects. people helping yeah. him, wow. but starting new projects, you know? Uh, yeah,
0: but yeah. We've, we've had totally over the years Father Impressive. Fessio on this program on a number of occasions, and, of course, he has that, that great connection with uh, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, <laughs> Pope Benedict, and uh, that's right. Uh, that great background and, and insight. But I, I had the great privilege of uh, there. He came up here for a St. Vincent de Paul annual dinner, the the, the annual dinner for the poor, um, which is kind of their huge fundraiser. It's a big deal. And they always bring in a a, a high powered guest speaker, if you will. And Father Fessio was the speaker. I'm thinking three or four years ago, something like that, maybe five maximum. And I got to sit right next to him. And, oh, oh, my goodness. uh, You just and 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 he's so engaging and he's so willing to talk to you. And, and, uh, and it was just, and of course he brought the house down with his stories and uh, his insight and his wisdom and all that. But I, if, if I had to guess, although I knew a little bit about his background, If I had to guess at that time, like, say, four or five years ago, three years ago, maybe, I'd have said, maybe he's 60, maybe not, maybe not quite 60. (laughs) You're telling me he's going to be 83. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So full of vigor. and I know he likes to hike in the Sierra and all that stuff. Yeah.
2: Right. You know, and of course he is, you know, slowing down as we all do. But it's amazing to me that he's he's starting a a brand new project that, you know, and. Uh, I this is a huge thing, national book fairs. I mean, this is not some small project right, that he's starting, right. you know. And so, uh, yeah, no, he's an impressive man on every level, spiritually, intellectually, uh, visionary, on the business side of things. Yeah, no, he's really a remarkable man. And it's been an honor and a privilege to be working. I'm going on 30 years now I've been wow. working for him. So I know that's pretty crazy, too. <laughs> I can't believe <laughs> That
0: <laughs> time flies, doesn't it?
2: It sure does. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So my mom told me years ago. She said it. It goes a lot faster as you get older. And I, I, I thought, well, okay, I guess, but time is time. It, it should move the same at the same speed for everybody. And uh, boy, she was right. You know, uh, you know, uh, my my wife will recall, or I will recall something like. Oh when was that time we went to uh, you know uh, San Francisco or that time we did this or went to that play or that game or something and and I'm thinking oh it was probably last year and she said no actually it's it was 6 years ago and I'm going it's not possible well I know. And, and, and then she shows me the pictures of the kids from the event and you go yeah yeah i guess it was 6 years ago but yeah time flies the perception
2: I, I, the Although perception. time slows
0: down when you're when you're cutting turnips, when you're peeling turnips. It,
2: See, it, so it's our perception yeah. of time that changes, not 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 time itself, right? And 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 then you've got place times, you know how have you ever had this experience where you think, oh my goodness, I just don't have enough time. What am I gonna do? Yeah. I have all these things I have to do, and you're in this state of anxiety, and and then next thing you know, there's this sort of opening in your day. Yep. I don't know how to explain it. Is that like, where did this time come from? Like it just swoops into the room and you just realize, why was I worried? Why you know, I why worried? did I get my, why did I get myself into that state when somehow some way time just sort of opened up? I, I don't know how to explain it, but um, you just, and you just say, oh my goodness, I really need to worry less and pray more.
0: <laughs> Amen to that. I, <laughs> I know my first day as a newspaper reporter years ago and I had no experience and was for a for a small daily newspaper and there was a sign on the wall. It was five in the morning when I started, you know, because it was a it was a PM, so the you know, they had a morning deadline. And back in the days when we had PM papers, and mm-hmm. I I looked on the wall across from my desk and it said a deadline is a writer's best friend. And I said, Oh no, that's so wrong. That is so backward. And it didn't take me but about a week to realize that that was absolutely true. That without a deadline, I would procrastinate. I would come up with every reason not to do it till tomorrow. Whereas with that deadline, especially a daily deadline, it just, it forced all the juices to flow because yep you, oh for sure yeah, and it's it
2: I started out in journalism too student you know student paper and university daily student paper I had to file a story every day mm-hmm. you know, and then weekly it worked for a weekly paper and had to file a story every week and you know and so when I came to Ignatius press because that was my background, I would always say, what's the deadline yep and yep. and uh and so I absolutely I need deadlines that how can I prioritize what i do if i don't have deadlines and oh. then stick them on the calendar accordingly and then that helps me prioritize what needs to be done first you know
0: yeah absolutely absolutely it's 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 been a truism ever ever since then i i'm uh i've you talk about uh freelancing i i'm doing uh some proofing of the uh county ballot uh you know the upcoming election uh uh, which came about because I contacted the county clerk, you know, the head of the Elections Bureau and said, you know, in the last sample ballot I got, you guys misspelled the word governor. <laughs> and, and and he said, no. And I said, yes, I'll show it to you. And he went back and he said, oh, that's so embarrassing. And and he said, how would you like to proof the ballot? And I said, well, OK. <laughs> So I'm, I'm proofing their ballot, which actually, Good for you. It actually isn't a lot of, it's pretty tedious, you know, it's.
2: Uh, that a retired uncle in, in my family, uh, when he, he, he would read the paper, the morning paper, and he started, you know, taking out a red pencil and oh, circling yeah. uh, oh. typos. And so one day he walked over to the newspaper, you know, rode over to the newspaper office or whatever, and turned in his red line. And, the, and they hired, they them hired on him the on the spot to be a yeah. proofreader. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. No, the, the,
2: the, and he was retired, but he went ahead and proofread in his retirement for the daily paper.
0: Oh, that's right. The, the hard part is when you have trouble convincing uh, the person you're editing for that this is important and that the word really is lie. It's not lay, you know, and, oh gosh and and that's the most u, that's the most universally missed word misused word. It's almost ninety i, I i'm around ninety eight percent use it wrong I'm, and I'm not sure right. why
2: It's because when people train their dogs, they tell the dog to lay down
0: Lay go lay down yeah I always yeah it's I, go
2: lie down
0: I always tell my kids i said here's the rule to remember the only thing that can lay on a beach is a chicken. And it's laying eggs. It's laying eggs. That's, you know, if right. somebody else can't lay on the beach, they can lie on the beach. That's right. But they can't lay on the beach, but the chicken can't.
2: That's right. Because <laughs> you have to lay an egg. That's right. Or you you have to lay down something, right? Yes. If you, think yeah, you, could, it, you, if know, you put down it, in there,
0: you yeah, know, no, like uh, when I, I hear, lay down a blanket. Yeah. If somebody says, I, oh, there was a song, when I lay down something, and I'm thinking of this person with, with down, you know, feathers, <laughs> you know, laying it. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, but affect, effect, lay, lie, there's a lot of those out there.
2: (laughs) Oh, there are, there are. And then, you know, but then as I lay dying, Faulkner's favorite, uh, famous novel, you know, that is correct because it's past tense.
0: Yes, because it's past tense. Right.
2: Yeah. In other words, as I was, yep. <laughs> lying, they're dying, <laughs> but you know, just, just use the simple past and use that's, fewer words, right? That's right. You, the, uh, reporter for the newspaper know how important concision is.
0: Can you imagine a convention of, of, of proofreaders?
2: <laughs> it, oh, it would be hilarious. People would think we were, are, are all OCD or something, yeah, oh, exactly. you know, and, uh, And you're like, well, we probably are, but at least we know how to monetize
0: it. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Well, Vivian, it's a a joy talking to you Have you and your family and everybody you work with there. Uh, Ignatius, have a a happy and holy and Merry Christmas.
2: Thank you, Bob. It's always so much fun talking with you. And thanks for including me in our books on your program and best wishes for a holy, happy Christmas for you, too.
0: Thank you so much. Well, the joy is all ours. So we'll look forward to our paths crossing again soon
2: Great, thanks yeah.
0: Thanks Vivian, uh, God, and God bless That's Vivian Doudreau, uh, editor and, and author at Ignatius Press You can go to Ignatius.com and learn about all the titles Boy, they, they come out with a lot of titles every year That's going to do it for us for today Thanks for listening, God bless
1: I feel Deep inside of me I feel your spirit Is moving